right, you should be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. <clears throat> Let me just read for you, though, a, a verse. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's alive, amen? He's alive. He's in heaven today at the right hand of His Father. You can rest assured that if He's resurrected, every saved, born-again Christian is going to be resurrected also. You know, we've been reminded this morning that Jesus died. And He shed His blood. And He was buried in a tomb. He shed His blood for the remission of sins. For the forgiveness of sins. Because the Bible says, Hebrews 9.22, and without shedding of blood is no remission. There's no forgiveness. There's no atonement. There's no covering for sin. The sin still glaringly stares God in the face. But the blood covered it. And He was able to offer us forgiveness. He drank that cup of the wrath of God in the garden. You remember when He said, Nevertheless, not My will, but Thine be done. And He went all the way, didn't He? And He drank that cup, the wrath of God, upon every vile sin that you and I have created, that uh, have done. He died because Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Jesus had no sin. So whose sins did He die for? He died for our sins. He died on that cross for us. But the greatest news is that He's alive. He's alive today. A dead Jesus does us nothing. No good. No help. But He lives. And that's why we claim victory. We have the hope of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and in verse 10. The Bible says this, But by the grace of God I am what I am. That's Paul speaking and every one of us could write that down. By the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so ye believe. Now if Christ be preached that He rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Look, if Christ be not risen, verse 14 says, our preaching is in vain. We might as well just pack this thing up and go home. We are here in vain. It's empty. It means nothing because Jesus died like every other man. But that's not what happened. And thankfully, we can say, Today, that we believe in the Word of God, that He's alive. What a fearful thought that Christ would not be raised. Think about that for a minute. You are still dead in your sins if Jesus did not rise up from the grave. Our loved ones would be in hell right now. Verse 18 says, Then they which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. 
But that's not true. If in this life we have only Jesus, hope in Christ, we are most miserable. We need our hope in a risen Lord. But now is Christ risen from the dead. Amen? And He is alive. And by the way, it is the very linchpin of our faith. It's the center of our faith. You know what a linchpin is? A linchpin is a pin that goes in the end of an axle that holds the wheels on. So if we don't have a resurrection, the wheels just came off of our gospel. It doesn't work. It's no good. It's like any other dead gospel that may be out there, but not ours. It is the linchpin of the faith. Jesus is alive. We live because we are in Him. You see that in verse 22? Well, verse 21 says, For since by man came death. Who was that? Adam. By man also came the resurrection of the dead. Jesus. And then verse 22, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. I'm glad I'm in Christ this morning. I'm in Him. There are two types of people in the world. Those who are in Christ and those who are not. You're either, here this morning, you're either in Christ or you're not. Now, I can't tell you whether you're in Christ or not. I know that I'm in Christ, but you have to make a decision. When did I receive Christ as my personal Savior? When did I believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ? When did I believe that He died on that cross for me and for my sins? When did that day happen? If you believe, then you become in Christ. And if He dies, we die with Him. If He lives... We live with Him. I am in Christ. John 11. Turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. John chapter 11 and verse 24. You know the story of Lazarus. In verse 24, Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again, speaking of Lazarus. In the resurrection at that last day, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. Present tense. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And that's the question to you this morning. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? I'm not talking about where you're baptized or what church you go to. I'm not talking about how many good works you've done. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship with a risen Savior. When did that take place? When were you born again? I can remember. Do you remember? Because that's why He died on the cross. And that's why He came out of the tomb. Not for you to believe in something else, but to believe in Him. The Gospel is Jesus. Death, burial, and resurrection. He is the resurrection, He said. I am the life. If you want life, you have to come to Me in order to get life, He said. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in Me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved Me and gave Himself for Me. So Paul said, that old, that old Paul is dead in Christ. But then he promised in Romans 6.5, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. We may die physically. This body may go in the ground. But my friend, your soul will go to heaven if you're saved here today. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And someday you'll get a new body. And there's going to be a lot of amens for that. Amen? We're going to get a new body. 
No more limping. No more toothaches. No more hair falling out. We're all going to look like Bill in heaven. Hey, let's be focused on the resurrection this morning. Not a death. We will experience a resurrection to life, just like Jesus did. Sadly, all those who are not born again, they will not see this resurrection. They'll see the resurrection to death. John chapter 5. You're in John. Turn back to chapter 5. John chapter 5. In verse 20, well, 27, And He hath given Him authority to execute judgment also because He is the Son of Man. The Father hath given all authority and judgment unto the Son. Verse 28, John 5, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, into which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice, and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. Don't think for one minute that's talking about good works and evil works. That's talking about the good is when you believe the gospel. You've done something good. You've done the right thing. And the evil thing is to reject Jesus Christ. You are yet in your sins. You're either a believer or a rejecter of Jesus Christ. And it gives me no pleasure to tell you if you reject Christ, you will not take part in the resurrection to life. You will take part in the resurrection to death, and I'll get to that. Jesus' death was necessary to pay a wage. That sin demanded. A holy God demands righteous judgment. We would all deserve, we would all ask the same thing. Where's the righteous judgment here? You don't see it in this world today. There's no more righteous judgment in the world today. And that's why men are bound to sin. But Jesus said that Jesus' death was necessary to pay the wage that sin demands. Death. But, Romans 5.20, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. The law just showed us what sinners we were. But in our flesh, we can't keep the law. We needed someone else that could keep the law. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Grace abounded right there at Calvary when He died on the cross and shed His blood. The more sin they heaped on Him, the more grace He showed us. And He does the same in your life. You can't outgive God. You can't do anything better than God. Just try it sometime. The more sin they put on Him, the more grace He showed and died for those sins. His resurrection was a triumph over the grave. Go back to 1 Corinthians 15. And if we do a little page turning today, good. Just wet your fingers so we know what we're talking about here. This is the Bible we believe in. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and in verse 24. This is wonderful. His resurrection was the triumph over the grave. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 25 says, For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. What are those enemies, Lord? The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. You know that someday there's not going to be any more dying. There'll be no more dying. It's over with. Look at verse 54. So when this corruptible, talking about this flesh, this corrupted flesh that we walk around in, shall have put on incorruption, that's a new body, a glorified body like His, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? It's not going to have victory anymore. Jesus is the one that has the victory. 
and we are in Him. Look at Mark chapter six, uh, 16, I'm sorry. Mark chapter 16, the anticipation. The anticipation. We're looking ahead to a bodily resurrection. I really do hope you believe that. Because nobody else did. No one believed that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. Not in his day. And some today still really. Are we, did he really rise from the dead? Was there really a bodily resurrection? You know, you really can't be a Christian and believe that. You've got to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I'll get to that in a minute. Mark chapter 16, verse 1 says, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had, brought, had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away. For it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment. And they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Behold, uh, I'm sorry, be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He's, he is risen. He's not here. Behold the place where they laid him. The women didn't believe that Jesus was risen. They might have been the first to see him alive, but they didn't believe he was risen. They were coming to anoint a dead body. Nobody believed them. He said, you destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. Even his apostles didn't believe it. Nobody believed it. But it happened. The women were not coming to see a resurrected Jesus. They wanted to know who was going to pull the stone away. Who was going to tear the stone away. Even in verse 6, it says, ye seek Jesus. The angel told him, you're here to see Jesus. He's not here. He told you he was going to rise from the dead. He's not here. They were coming to anoint a dead body. The stone was rolled away, not for Jesus to get out, but for us to see in to the empty tomb. That's why they rolled the stone away, so we could see an empty tomb. Praise God. Behold the place where they laid him. He's not here anymore. No one believed in the resurrection. Truth number one, there have been resurrections. Lazarus was resurrected. Jesus is resurrected. Old Testament saints were resurrected. Go back to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27. Matthew 27 and verse 50. On the cross, Jesus, when He had cried again with a loud voice, Matthew 27, 50, with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent when He died there on that cross. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after His resurrection and went into the holy city <laughs> and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. You see, when the holy of holies was opened up from the holy place in the temple, it was by that thick, huge, thick curtain. It didn't rip from the bottom to the top. It ripped from the top to the bottom. Only God could do that. Open up that new and living way that you are now 
able to go to God in prayer. You don't have to go through anybody. And you don't confess your sins to anyone else but Jesus Christ to God. Amen? Because the veil has been rent. And then there was an earthquake. And there was people that came out of the grave. They were resurrected at His resurrection. That's how powerful the power of the resurrection is. Amen? Truth number two, there's coming some more resurrections. The rapture of believers. And that could happen now. And it could happen now. And it could happen in a few seconds. It could happen at any time. There is nothing that has to happen for that to happen. Until God tells the Son, go get your bride. I know there's a lot of brides out here. You were brides. I was never a bride. But I'm going to be. His bride. The church. There are coming more resurrections. But there's a rapture of believers, but there's a resurrection of the lost. One more truth. 2 Timothy 2.18. 2 Timothy 2.18. 2 Timothy 2.18. Apparently, there was a false doctrine going around that the resurrection was already over with. They had no resurrection to look forward to. Because in verse 17, uh, let's go back to 16. Second uh, Timothy 2.16, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And there's plenty of babblings going on in the world today. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred. You see, they've moved away from the truth. Saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Let me tell you something. The resurrection is coming. The rapture is coming. You can count on it. They were in error. As day follows night, there's going to be a resurrection. As, as the spring follows the long Irish winter, there will be a resurrection someday. That day is coming. The old preacher used to call it the getting up day. There's going to be a day when we get up and we're going to go with Jesus to, to heaven. Look at, uh, just turn over one page to Titus. Chapter 1 and verse 2. Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Tell me how many promises God's broken. Good. Then he won't break that one then. In fact, God never lies. He can't lie. He didn't choose not to lie. It's not in Him. He cannot lie. So when He speaks, He speaks truth. Pure, unadulterated truth. Eternal life. And if you look over in chapter 2, verse 13, what are we looking for? We're looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's coming again. We should live every day by that power too. That resurrection power. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 8. Philippians chapter 3 and in verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. This is Paul the Apostle. And be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. 
Not as though I'd already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended. That power that Paul wanted to live in the power of the resurrection. That power is the Holy Spirit of God that seals us under the day of redemption. That power that raised up Christ from the grave dwells inside of us. I want to gain more understanding of the power that lives in me, that has a grip on me. I want to lay hold on the power that has laid a hold on me, the Holy Spirit of God. Sometimes we live as if that power is not in us. But the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead lives inside every believer. And we are living such low Christian lives that we don't call on that power. We don't live under that power. It's the power of God Almighty living inside of every believer. We have inside us that power that raised up Jesus, the resurrection. That power helps us to know Him as we've never known Him before. To be made a conformable unto His death. Never been asked to give my life as far as I know for Jesus. I hope I could do it. But I don't think that's exactly what it's talking about. Because Romans 12, 2, 12 1 says, I'm to be a living sacrifice. I am to sacrifice my body. I am to offer it on, on the altar and say, Lord, this is yours. This is, you bought it. You paid for it. This is your life. I want to be a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice. I want to live for you. As far as you call me to go, I hope I can, I can do that by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in me. That same power will raise us up on that last day. The resurrection of the dead. Hebrews 11.35, you don't have to turn there. By faith, we read about all those great heroes of the faith. They all did it by faith. But at the end, it talks about women who had children raised to life. And, but others who were killed with a sword and scourged and lived in caves. And just went through all kind of tribulation and affliction. Why? They were looking forward to obtain a better resurrection. They did it by faith. And let me tell you something. It's by faith that I look forward to the resurrection that's coming ahead. It's a resurrection to life. Romans chapter 1 verse 4. I just wanted to throw them up there. Declared to be the Son of God with power. According to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That power of God is available to us every day. Now do you feel like you're kind of living, wow, I forgot about that dynamite that I have in my heart that lives there every day that wants to, that wants to live like a Christian should live. How many times do I quench the Holy Spirit of God? The same Holy Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead lives in me and lives in you. Don't forget the resurrection in your witness. 1 Corinthians 15. Believe it or not, we're we're going to be done soon. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And in verse 1. I thought this was interesting. Not the verse, but what the verse tells us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, I, do, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Guess what? 
we forget about telling people about the resurrection. When we witness to them. It has three parts. There's three parts, but we only speak of one. We assume you do know he went in the grave, right? Because he died on the cross for your sins. He died, he died, he died, he died, he died. He shed his blood, he shed his blood. But we don't tell him he's alive. How many times? I've forgotten myself. I mean, later on I would say, now look, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. But we forget to include the whole gospel. The whole gospel is that he's alive. And he's triumphed over the grave and over sin and over death. The gospel's three parts, and we only speak of one. Don't forget. We tend to forget the bodily resurrection in our witness. And I just, I just preached. Uh, I just said that verse, Romans ten nine. That's the gospel: the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter four verse thirty three says this: and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. The apostles saw Jesus alive. Up to 500 people saw Him. Conclusive evidence. Right? Eyewitness accounts. Turn to Second Peter chapter 1. I'm so glad I don't rely on an eyewitness account. Second Peter chapter 1. And in verse 19. I mean, they saw him alive. They saw him alive. But we have something better. Second Corinthians, uh, Peter chapter one, verse nineteen. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first that no prophecy of the Scripture is any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Do do we rely on what the apostles saw? Do we rely on what people saw? No. We rely on what God has written about what they saw. That's what we rely on. This. Not signs and wonders. And not first-hand accounts. What God said about those first-hand accounts. This is what your faith is anchored in. This book. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. If you don't believe this book, you can't be saved. You have to believe this book, that Jesus is alive. Today. Not because somebody saw Him at the, at the, end, of his be- at the end of their bed, standing there talking to them. You can forget that. That doesn't happen unless you're on something. Do we rely on what they saw? No. I'm glad it's in the Bible. I'm glad that God showed me, wrote down that up to 500 people saw Jesus alive. My faith is in what God has written, not in what someone saw. You know, they talk about Noah. Uh, not Noah, Jonah. Jonah, the one that was in the whale. And they found this guy that actually was in this big grouper fish or something for a couple hours and he was spit up on the beach. So that proves it, that Jonah could be swallowed by a whale. No, it doesn't. It proves that guy could be in a grouper's belly for a couple hours. I believe that Jonah was in the belly of a whale because the Bible tells me that Jonah was in the belly of a whale. I don't need a newspaper to verify the the Holy Scriptures. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. 
So when we witness now, we have to tell him Jesus is alive. He's not in the grave. He's not still dying for your sins. He's not on the cross. I know it looks good. It looks holy. But he's not on the cross. He'll never be on the cross again. He's a king. Uh, Acts chapter 17 and in verse 18 says this, Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Speaking of Paul preaching there in Athens. Others, some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preacheth unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Paul preached the resurrection. Verse 32, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. People are going to mock you too. They're going to laugh at the fact that you tell them that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. That unnerves people when you tell them that. They love religion. They want to be fed religion. Well, you start telling them that you're a sinner and Jesus died for you and they get unnerved about it. Well, now they'll really get unnerved when you tell them that he's alive too. And he's able to save you. They get nervous. Many will laugh and mock, but every person is going to go through a resurrection. Acts chapter 24. All right, I think I just lost it. Rose up. Anyway, Acts chapter 24. Probably couldn't advance it myself, I guess. Acts chapter 24. Everyone will take part in a resurrection. And in verse 14. You want to play with it? Acts 24, verse 15. 14, I'm sorry. But this I confess unto thee, Paul said, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both to the just and to the unjust. There will be a resurrection for the saved and for the unsaved. Now let's go through these last scriptures and we'll be finished. First, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In verse 13, this is the rapture. This is an account of what's going to take place. The rapture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. All that means is not knowing. Brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you saw or not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ, in Christ, shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. This is the resurrection of the just. This is the resurrection of those that are in Christ. What we're waiting for is a shout. And a trumpet blast. And Jesus is going to take us up into heaven. And if we're alive when that happens, this body will be transformed into an incorruptible body on the way up. 
because our soul is going to go to heaven and his body is going to change. But we won't go before those that are already in the grave. No matter where they are, that body will be raised up and they will get a new body and their soul will meet that body in the air and we're following them right up. That's the rapture and it's coming and that's the first resurrection. That's the resurrection I'm looking forward to. Amen? Revelation 20 now. Now we go to the back of the book. See, it's getting close to the end now. We're almost done. We're in the back of the book. Revelation chapter 20. And look at verse 1. Revelation chapter 20 verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Amen. I'm glad one angel can wrap up Satan and chuck him in the pit for a thousand years. And God's going to let him out again for a little time, but he'll be put in there forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. But right now, some angel just wrapped him up and chucked him in the pit and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he will be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. This was happened during the tribulation. And for the word of God, and uh, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. This is the millennial reign. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. That's the first resurrection. We don't want to be a part of the second death. But look. Chapter 20 and in verse, um, in verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. God shows up and everything just flies away from him. He's on his throne. And I saw the dead small and great, rich, poor, doesn't matter. Every walk of life, they're all there. And they stand before God and the books were open and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. This is an impartial judgment. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is the second resurrection at the great white throne, but it's the resurrection of the damned. They get their body back, but it goes into hell with their soul forever. And the lid is shut, never to be seen of again. In fact, hell itself will be cast into a lake of fire, and it's gone forever. In Psalm 85 or 86, I forget the verse, but it says that God shall remember them no more one of the saddest verses in the Bible. But God shall remember them no more. And neither will you. Your loved ones. You don't ever think you'll forget them, but you will. You'll forget your loved ones. Boy, we don't want to end there. Let's go to one more scripture. And that's chapter 21. 
And in verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning of the end. And the end I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. There's a whole new time, great time that's coming. It's because of the hope of the resurrection. There's not a person in here, if you're thirsty, can't get a drink this morning. He wants to offer the water of life freely to you. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do. No hoops to jump through. It's just say, I need Jesus. I need a Savior. I don't want to be a part of that second resurrection. Can I be saved this morning? Look, today's a wonderful day. In that we celebrate the resurrection. And that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And many are looking forward to the resurrection of life, but others will be to the resurrection, to condemnation, to judgment, because there are two resurrections. Let me just ask you, which one are you headed to this morning? Let's pray. Please just bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody should be looking around. There is nothing to see up here. You ought to be looking into your heart. And I just want to ask you a question. Are you saved? You know you're saved. That's good. You remember when you were born again. You remember when you asked Jesus to save you. You remember when you trusted in just Him. That's between you and God. Do you remember that day? Do you remember when that event happened? If you can't remember that, if you've just been relying on religion, maybe you, you've, just, you've been to a different churches, you were raised in another different kind of religion, or what you've heard or what you thought, but this morning you're kind of confused. You, I don't know if I'm saved or not. I don't know what resurrection I'll be at. You're just confused. You just want to know the truth. Is there anyone here that would say, I would like to know more about being saved. Would you just look up at me? I'm not asking you to do anything. Get out of your seat. Jump up and down. Clap your hands. Just look up at me. I'd like to know how to be saved. I'm not going to call you out of your seat. As far as I can tell. It's just us Christians here. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for each one that's here this morning. It's your Bible and the power of the Holy Spirit that uh, we've heard from this morning. Uh, you're a good God. Thank you, Jesus, that you're alive today. Uh, we're in you. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. And uh, Lord, uh, we can't be unsaved. We're saved forever. Lord, I don't know, but I would imagine there may be one here that's not saved this morning. And, but I don't know that. You do. I pray you would speak to their hearts.
I pray, I pray, Father, that you might start to change that heart of stone into a heart of flesh and that they might realize that they need Jesus. Just a person. The King of Kings. They need Jesus this morning. Please, Heavenly Father, help them to understand that. And Lord, we thank you for this resurrection day, this resurrection morning. We believe in the resurrection. And we thank you for the resurrection this morning. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.